Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. This episode of Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, is sponsored by Moon Travel Guides. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to build the perfect trip when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you are taking a short trip, exploring a European city, heading to a national park, or traveling to South America, Asia, or beyond, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. But I gotta say that, you know, when I was in Florida in February, the wildlife watching in Everglades just blew my socks off. And it was largely because it wasn't the wildlife we had out here. It was all the other stuff. So like the day we bicycled Shark Valley, my niece counted up all the alligators we saw and it was over 50. I mean, we don't have alligators, so it was really cool to see you know, it was, we saw little babies, or kind of gross, but, uh, you know, big ones, little ones, as long as they were a safe distance away, I was fine with it, but it was just really cool, and then, of course, when I saw the manatees, oh my god, I about started crying, they were just so peaceful, I guess it's the best word for them, they were just beautiful, and then the birds, you know, we just, we had one lake that was just probably 400 birds, all these water birds in it, everything from brown storks to ibis and pelicans. And I, I can't even remember all of them right now, but it was just, and it was so noisy. It was a riot because the birds were just making so much noise as they were flying around and the pelicans were just scooping up massive amounts of water because there had to be a fish run going on right there to eat. So yeah, it was, I was super impressed and largely because it was all stuff we don't have out here. You know, so it was the uniqueness of that that just blew me away. Well, we are very excited today because we have with us the one and the only... Rebecca Lomax. Rebecca Lomax. <laughs> Realtor at large. <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> I did. We did. I did. It was good. Yep. We'll, we we'll take it with Becky so we don't have to embarrass you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
So we're very excited today because um, we have a very special guest back on the podcast, the one and the only Becky Lomax, author of Moon 63 U.S. National Parks, um, among other books, and someone who has become not only a friend of the pod, but a friend of ours um, Mm -hmm. over the last several years. So uh, we're so grateful to be able to have another opportunity to sit down, really, rather than an interview, have more of a conversation in this episode that we're about to launch into. It's been the year of all years when it comes to hiking because we got to hike together in Acadia National Park and then again in Mount Rainier National Park. Yeah, coast to coast, baby. Coast (laughs) to coast. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This was something that you did with us at the end of each hiking day. But I'm curious, like, could we start by saying, like, what was your favorite part of hiking in Acadia? And then we'll say our favorite, and then and then we'll say our favorite parts too, and then we'll move over to Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. But let's start there. Oh wow, I love it! I love it. Yes, we do talk about that every time after hiking, don't we? Yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah, it was great. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that tradition of like we get in the car, we're driving away, and we just think about that. What was day. your favorite? What was thing our favorite today? thing about today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Acadia. You know, I don't know that it was any one hike, but that pink granite there was just, I don't care if it was those slabs out on the coastal areas, like out on Scudic Peninsula, or up on top of a Cadillac, or the Bubbles, or Beehive, or whatever. Those slabs were so incredibly cool just to, I loved laying on them. It was just like, oh my God, I want every inch of my body soaking up Mother Earth here. (laughs) It's through this rock and just stunning rock. I loved it. Yes, I totally agree with you. Like the pink granite there is just so, so special. I think my favorite part, okay, I'm going to say my honorable mention favorite part was like that one little like, unbelievable cove we saw on the the flying the flying man trail i think is what it was called where the tsunami came in and we had to jump up and you grabbed my hiking poles because they were gonna get washed away that's my honorable mention but my i think my favorite thing was the tide pools oh shipwreck harbor Harbor. yeah Uh, those were amazing just i was like well this is all of the colors that make me feel calm and make me feel alive and like that I just want to surround myself with at all times. Like all these different shades of like olive green and all these little pops of other things. I just was like, this is it. Clearly, I just need I need to live in some tide pools. That's we hadn't really done do. tide pools before then either. So I think that was really special. Like just in general, I was like, oh, this is great. Like it's not something we see all the time. So there was something very mystical about that in its own way. And what about you, Mike? Well, I think my favorite part... <laughs> It wasn't it wasn't the getting up at three thirty in the morning. But I think <laughs> I Mountain. think my favorite my favorite part was was getting up to see the sunrise mm-hmm. because that's something I mean, we've hiked We've done so much of Acadia. I had to laugh, though, when we were like, yeah, Becky, we've done most of Acadia. So, like, you know, whatever you want. And every trail you picked was something we hadn't done. We hadn't done. So I was like, well, stand corrected there. (laughs) But I do feel like that was something. It's sort of like we've never been. We've been to many dark sky parks, but we've never we've never made it there when it's been a clear night without a moon. So we really haven't gotten to experience the majesty of the night sky in that way. But this, like 
like being this sort of celestial event that we were able to take part in that so many other people like were there for. There was something so beautiful about just watching the sun come up. And it's like, I can't remember the last time I did that. And I can do it any morning I really want. I'm right. I'm like 10 minutes from the beach. I could go and watch the sunrise. But there was something about being with you and Jane and Dusty and then all these other people and just experiencing all that very commonplace thing together. There was just something very powerful about that, like very renewing and rejuvenating. And mostly because it was probably that fact that we were all sleep addled maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I loved that too. That was just, it was the fact that we were up on catalog gave us a different perspective than being down on a beach. And so you got to see all of that water. And then when the sun came up, there was a little, the color changed a little bit on the water. And that was just so cool to watch. I mean, just beautiful. It was beautiful. Okay, so now let's move to the other coast, Mount Rainier, which is like really wild. Like inside of like a month's span of time, we were able to hike together in Acadia and then in Mount Rainier. Stars aligned there. The most, right? It was kind of surprising that all worked out. Okay, so of all the things we did together, favorite part of that time hiking Mount Rainier, because you've hiked Mount Rainier many times. Yeah, that was kind of my family park when we grew up and where we went. And um, ah, I just have too many images in my head. (laughs) There were really good ones. I think my favorite one might have been the first day where we did the east side of the skyline and went up and then we just wandered off trail up you know over snow fields and stuff i you know that's one of my favorite things to do is kind of find nice places to go off trail and explore and that was just really cool i liked it a lot and just the fact that you can oh here's a rock pile i just want to go see what's over here and so you can go do it and the whole time of course then you've got mount rainier sitting right there that's just spectacular so that's probably mine and um i think that mine was probably i think it was getting to doing the other side of skyline and getting to mcclure rock and just hanging out there because we sat for a while and we had such a great vantage of not only the mountain but camp mirror all the people coming down and going up i just think it was so cool to have that perspective especially because we had toyed around with the idea of hiking up to camp mirror ultimately chose to kind of do some more things that weren't going to totally decimate us (laughs) so we'd have more time for things so yeah i think that was i mean seeing all seeing adams and um mount st helens and was it baker what was the third volcano we saw i can't remember it wasn't Baker, right? Because that was Adam the north Adam St. Helens Hood. Hood. It was Mount Hood. Hood. Okay. Mount it was Hood. Hood. All right. Yeah, in yeah. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing those four from that vantage point was just really, really cool. Oh, yeah. I think my my one of my favorite parts was... Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> the screaming marmot. <laughs> Remember? That's because you're the marmot whisperer. No, I did love that. I did love that. That screaming marmot in the distance. That just was sort of like, how did we describe him? He was like a he was like a judge holding court. He was like holding court and like out and just like was making sure everybody knew. No, I did love that. I think my favorite part was I'm doing a little bit of a combining of a bunch of small moments, but the moments when like we'd all like get to have um Becky Lomax. Uh, nature school and like we would 
be able to be like, hi, okay, so we're noticing that, like being able to stand there and look and you're like, okay, so that is a glacier, but it looks like a rock pile. But here's why it looks like a rock pile, because the rocks have fallen on top and they're getting compressed like that. Or like when we were able to stand there and see those two streams flowing, one was clear and one was really cloudy it's because it, that was glacier melt. The one that was clear was because that was snow melt. Like being able to have those moments was so special. And like, I, obviously we're both, you know, we both come from teaching. And one of the reasons that we hike in national parks or hike outside at all is just because we're curious people who love learning. And so like, that's, that was always moments that feed my soul. Or like the moment when we were hiking up to Comet Falls and um, we were like, why are all the trees like all like, have they all Chapter snapped yeah. at the same mm -hmm level of tree and so like you talk to us about you were like okay so snow falls down it gets up to a certain level then an avalanche of rocks comes through and it takes out all of the tops of the trees and then when the snow melts the part of the tree that was in the snow is the only part that remains those kinds of things were so special for me and my favorite part you know i kind of when i hike with people sometimes it's, it's like do they really want to know this <laughs> or not so i never know what to because I don't, you know, I used to be a hiking guide and all you did on the trail was this, you know, talk, 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 talk all day long. And I'd be done and be like, huh. And I don't do that anymore. And I don't really want to do that. But I love talking about all these little, you know, all the little natural processes that are happening and what's, you know, what's going on. And here's how the glacier is doing this here and did this. And here's the change that's happened over the last 30 years or 40 or whatever. And I really like that, but I do. I never know <laughs> how much do people want. <laughs> well, we're always we're always here for the info. Here for the in mm -hmm. always here for the info. Always. I do feel like the game or conversation we just had regarding what was our favorite part of each of those parks is a pretty good segue into sort of what the crux of our conversation is going to be about in this episode, which is really Eastern parks versus Western parks. I hate to say versus because it feels like they're in a battle yeah. for one another. But Eastern parks and Western mm -hmm, parks mm -hmm. and how there is, you know, just sort of, you know, um, we're over here on the East Coast and we, you know, have certainly frequented the East Coast parks over here quite a number of times. And you're over on the West side and you obviously frequent the West side parks quite a bit too. So I'm very excited to chat just about like, you know, uh, the things and the compare and the contrast of it all. Yeah. And the thing is, they're, they're all unique. So it's, I agree with you on the versus thing. It's really hard to, I don't like thinking which one's best type of thing, you know? And I feel like that's just, you know, internalized capitalism to make <laughs> exactly. us go like, you know, like one versus another or like mm -hmm. put things in competition with mm -hmm. each other because they're not in competition with each mm -hmm. other. None of them are. No. no. But let's get started by talking about heart parks. This was something that you wanted to talk about specifically. Can you define for us what is a heart park to you? Well, for me, it's a park that I go to that when when I drive in and especially if I haven't been there for a little bit, I drive in, it like grabs my heart. It's like suddenly I feel mm. like, oh, I'm here again. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I just feel almost enveloped in this 
nature right away, you know, and, the, and it's a park that I think heart parks are ones that you just, you can go to over and over and over again and have that happen that feeling. And I remember, Mike, you said that when we met up in Acadia, that's what you said about driving in, that you drove in and it was like, oh, oh, I'm here again. There's something very, very special about Acadia. But I also felt that way when we went, when we were back in Olympic or when it was my second time in Olympic and it was Dusty's first, I just like immediately remembered why I loved Olympic. It like took me no time whatsoever. I was just like, oh, I get to be back here. Like, what a gift. What a joy. And there were so many reasons for it. But yeah, Acadia, I mean, uh, you know, we've been to, I'd say, like, three parks multiple times. Mostly our East Coast parks. Mm. Acadia, Shenandoah. Oh, sorry, four. New River and Smokies. Yeah, we've so, done those four. And then I've had the chance to do Olympic and Rainier as a second go around. You've been to Zion twice, although mm-hmm. you didn't realize it. I didn't so. know I was in Zion <laughs> the first time. So yeah, so for like, I feel like a heart park, I mean, obviously you might know immediately on your first time through, but I definitely feel like there is like a sense of like homecoming when you come back to a space like that. And so for me, it's definitely, it's definitely Acadia. It's definitely Olympic. Those are parks in that have like a very special place deep in my heart. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel the same way about Acadia. Mostly because like, you know, our this entire journey that we're on here with this show, like the genesis of it was at Acadia National Park. We have been able to go to Acadia many, many times. Every time we go, it is like it's it does feel like coming home like every time. And as we have discovered going for a third time this year with you, like we still have plenty to discover about Acadia National Park. And even if, you know, we had, in fact, done literally all the trails, there's still more to Mm -hmm. discover Mm -hmm. about all of the parks every time. And the trails will be different next time around or you'll see something new on it. Exactly. And because like you're there at a different time of year, you experience it in a different way. Like everything's ephemeral in a national park. uh, And that's the beautiful thing, Mm -hmm. right? I do feel like I probably would feel similarly returning to Olympic just because like moss is like my love language. And so like it is (laughs) uh, being able to be there with all of that and like those all of the the coastal like the pelicans and the uh, all of it. So yeah, no, I do feel that way there. For me too, I would also say I do get that sense anytime we go to Smokies and that is also partly because like I went to Smokies as a kid a number of times and like it was always fun and like but we didn't do a lot of trails my mom and I very famously did one trail when I was about 12 there's this fantastic photo of me that I have posted I have should probably post it on our gays account because I haven't posted it there I think you did well it might need a repost soon, but <laughs> it is a fabulous photo of 12-year-old me in like this green windsuit. Love it. And it is so funny. And it's like fabulously queer. We were lost the keys to my mom's car while we were hiking. And I took like a million pictures. And of course, when I got them developed, I got doubles because that's what you so do. You did. Going through them. We were like, I wonder if the keys are going to show up in the pictures because like we she had no luckily she had extra keys inside the car. So the park ranger came and was able to help us get the car open. But like, that's also a heart park for me. What about you, Becky? Oh, come on. You know mine. Well, I mean, it's clearly Everglades. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) 
Because you're a Florida girl through and through. Real oh, and yeah. thrill. Sorry, yeah. I, I would never say that about you. Just all jokes. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably yeah. Glacier. Yeah. It's probably I, Rainier. And Rainier yeah. is probably also a hard yeah. park for you. And um, yeah, it's, you know, I live right outside of Glacier, 20 minutes outside the west entrance. So I'm there frequently when I can be. And it's it doesn't matter. I still go in it anytime and I've got that feeling. It just goes, oh, okay, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's pretty cool. But I, I would also have to add Olympic onto my list because, um, you know, I probably did way, way more hiking and backpacking and climbing in Olympic than I did at Rainier. You know, I, I did a lot of hiking and backpacking and climbing Rainier, but a lot more in the Olympics. I just haven't been back there in a while. So I need to do that, I think. I think. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we'll just meet you there. Yep. Okay. That sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But let's talk about some of the wildlife that you see often over in Western parks and sort of like, you know, the sort of culture around wildlife and interacting with them and how people can, um, what happens when people interact with wildlife? (laughs) Now that's a scary question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a scary question. You know, and the reason I say that is because I just look at the last two weeks of news between Glacier and Yellowstone, just those two parks. And it's been, you know, one bear had to be put down because he got human food in many Glacier. Uh, Another bear is en route to being put down because... He attacked a runner outside of, or she, no, it was a, it was a sow and a cub, um, attacked a runner in West Yellowstone, right outside of the park. And she died, I believe. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a downside to all of this stuff that is, um, a little tough to handle. And it's like a, we get in the summer routine and that's exactly what starts happening predictably every summer. And then you get, you know, in Yellowstone, you get, um, people getting too close to bison and then all the repercussions of that. And it's, it's a little tough, especially with the big megafauna because people don't know how to behave around them and think it's, you know, I don't know, a petting zoo or something, you know, to get really close to. No, I think that probably is the case. I think people aren't used to giant animals like that unless they're in a setting where it's there's a glass wall between them or, or bars between them and the animal. So it's it feels like I there must be some amnesia, like just like <laughs> your flight, flight or fright, fight, uh, fight, fight, or, fight flight, or flight, fight, flight or fright. It's three. I think it was well. It's fight. Usually they they say now fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. Yes. So I think your flight fright. No. Nope. No. Nope. There's no fright. <laughs> Frights are frights are in October. <laughs> your fight, flight, or freeze. I think just goes out the window. Like I just feel like it's like all of a sudden it's like I'm one with nature and I can do anything and commune and like I feel like then people get into trouble like because they just feel like they're invincible. Yeah. Let's talk about Glacier for a second. Like, what are some of the very special wildlife that you get to see in Glacier sometimes when you're when you're hiking there? You know what's funny is people think you're going to see bears around every corner, and that's not true. I can go on hike after hike after hike and not see a bear at all. But what I get to see are some really fun things, like a ptarmigan the other day. 
um, you know, an alpine ground bird that's really amazing. Uh, lots of marmots. Seen wolverines quite a few times. We heard pika the other day. We never, we didn't get to see them, but we were delighted to hear them because they're an alpine animal too. That's, you know, they live up in the rocks and they're part of the rabbit family, but they don't have the big ears that rabbits do. And those ears help rabbits dissipate heat. So the pika aren't capable because their ears are so tiny of dissipating heat and they're one of the species that's probably threatened by the climate getting warmer because yes they can move up a mountain but at one point they are going to run out of mountain to move up and keep cool so anyway it's fun to be able to hear them doing their little eep across you know the rock piles and uh and to know that they're there Sometimes I'll go poke around, you know, a big talus slope a little bit, and if find under a rock, you'll find a collection of, of grasses and flowers and sometimes even little fresh ends of trees, you know, the needles off a little alpine fir or something like that. And they're just there in a pile drying, and that's because they don't hibernate. And that's what they live off of in the winter. And then, oh, and just to make it more interesting, if I look... A little bit around their hay pile, that's what we call them, of where they're drying their food, you'll also find pika poop. And it comes in two forms. And one looks like a BB, and the other one is a little bit longer, like maybe a third of an inch long, kind of a little elongated. And if they run out of their food that they've stored during the summer, if they run out of that food in winter, they can eat their poop, just like a rabbit, and survive on that. Had a feeling that's mm. where that was going. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, can you tell Piker are one of my favorites out there? Oh, yeah. That's why I like hearing them. I like seeing them, and they're they're cute. I mean, they're just the size of a big baked potato with legs running around. We saw them. We saw Piker in um, Tetons. Oh, yeah. we did. Oh, yeah, that's right. What trail were they on? Paintbrush Canyon. Paintbrush Canyon. Okay. Yeah. Paintbrush yeah. Canyon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen them up there too. When we were in Glacier, we saw um, bighorn sheep and mountain goats. Right. Mountain goats, I feel like, have such personality. Like they are, they have such, um, there's like a calmness to their energy, but I don't know. They look very wise. And it might be like the fact that they, they look like they are, like, that they are like prophets from like another. <laughs> like time like an ancient time that's what i look that's what i think of when i think of mountain goats okay well i would like to be reincarnated as one. Oh, that's a great idea how about you what's your your ah. wildlife you want to be reincarnated Interesting. as i think i want to be a sea lion it's near definitely the a channel snake, islands right? huh it's definitely oh. a snake right a snake oh yeah. it's oh. definitely a snake <laughs> yeah, yeah right like a black racer mm-hmm. snake yeah mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, no, a sea lion near Channel Islands, I think, is okay. would be my, That'd be would you. be me. And Mike? Hmm, that's a great question. I feel like it would be some sort of bird. Oh, okay. Um, just because I'd like to be able to soar above it all. And then just like, when I'm like done, just bounce, just out, <laughs> take off, and I'm out. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of those brown pelicans near ah, yeah. uh, Rialto Beach. In Olympic mm-hmm. National Park. So you get the water and you, you can do the land if you want to. Those brown pelicans were very, very special. Have never seen them anywhere else. We've only ever seen them there in Olympic National Park. I'm from 
down south where we definitely have like Louisiana pelicans, you know, those sort of the white pelicans, but like brown pelicans are nothing that, you know, we get to see at least from the part of the south that I'm from. That was really special and very exciting. Very cool. When we were in Grand Tetons, we also ran into grizzlies and black bears and I think brown bears and I think like they were... And moose. Mm -hmm. And they were all sort of together. Mm -hmm. That was when we were texting you. And I was like, oh, look at this video. These cubs are like running up a tree. And you were like, okay, so here's what this means. You were like, (laughs) mama bear thinks there's danger. So she's sending them up a tree to go deal with the danger. So just make sure that you aren't the danger. And I was like, we need to keep moving. We need to keep moving on this trail. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because we happen yeah. to have cell signal in Grand Tetons. That, right. That, exactly. that whole right. front part of the range does. Yeah. 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 I feel like the thing that I've noticed about just having been to so many parks at this point is, I mean, when you think about wildlife and mostly in the eastern part of the country, it's, I hate to say common, but I, I feel like there are a lot of common wildlife. Like you're seeing deer, you're seeing frogs, you're seeing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's things Black that bears. like you typically would think of like on the east coast when you think of wildlife. When you head west, everything changes. Like it is, it's a whole different ball game. And that's the thing that's always a surprise to me when we're out west, if we happen to run across some thing because it is very special because it's not something that's like an everyday occurrence out east even if it happens to be a grizzly bear that's (laughs) on the trail that's not something you're gonna see in the eastern part of the states so that's always a big thing for me it's always interesting and i you know i also feel like there's always something very special about the flora of the western part of the country especially like when you think about the southwest or you know any desert landscape because we're just so used to conifers and deciduous trees here (laughs) and so our landscapes don't vary that much and i think that is such a there's such a dichotomy of landscape obviously across the country but like you get west and you can go from like i'm just even thinking being an olympic we were on so many different landscapes just in one national park or even glacier there's so many different shifts and things that you're able to experience in glacier yellowstone same thing just what a weird strange landscape and then you go to the southwest and you know you're in zion where you're you know you're in a canyon it's there's lushness to it but then you're on red rock um or you're, you know, in Capitol Reef across the state and it's all red. You know, it's, it's, there's so, there's such a vast difference of landscape and wildlife out in the West that we just don't have here. And maybe that you see a little bit more in, in Florida um, because there's <laughs> a I lot happening. <laughs> yeah. I knew where you were going. See, see, I can read that mind. But yeah, that's at least, and we haven't been there yet. Don't know when we'll go. But yeah, I I do feel like that's something I've noticed. But take it away, Becky. Well, I I agree with you about, I mean, that's why I live in this end of the country. (laughs) It's just, it's got all those things you mentioned that are just, I love. But I got to say that, you know, when I was in Florida in February, the wildlife watching in Everglades just blew my socks off. And it was largely because it wasn't the wildlife we had out here. It was all the other stuff. So like 
the day we bicycled Shark Valley, my niece counted up all the alligators we saw, and it was over 50. I mean, we don't have alligators, so it was really cool to, you know, it was, we saw little babies, or kind of gross, but, uh, you know, big ones, little ones, as long as they were a safe distance away, I was fine with it, but it was just really cool. And then, of course, when I saw the manatees, oh my God, I about started crying. They were just so peaceful. I guess it's the best word for them. They were just beautiful. And then the birds, you know, we just, we had one lake that was just probably 400 birds, all these water birds in it, everything from brown storks to ibis and pelicans. And I, I can't even remember all of them right now, but it was just, and it was so noisy. It was a riot because the birds were just making so much noise as they were flying around and the pelicans were just scooping up massive amounts of water because there had to be a fish run going on right there to eat. So yeah, it was, I was super impressed and largely because it was all stuff we don't have out here, you know, so it was the uniqueness of that that just blew me away. And that's, I love that. That was pretty cool. And then, you know, you mentioned flora too. When I was in Smokies in May, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, you know, it certainly wasn't the fall color, but there's, the forest there was so different than what we have out here because it, it's loaded with all kinds of things like oak and hickory and all these hardwood trees that just were so a different green than the fir trees and the aspen and the birch that we have. And I remember hiking there and thinking, I don't even know how to say, I could tell you they were all green, but I didn't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have your command of art <laughs> to be able well, to. Well, I don't know. You did teach me the re- word Rufus this oh. trip, so <laughs> I don't know. I, there's still things for me to learn. That is a red color, by the way, everybody. Yes. <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a varied colors of greens I was seeing in those hardwoods because every single one of them was different. And it was just so beautiful with that. You know, it didn't kind of have the monotone that we have in the fir forests a lot. It was, it was, it was so green. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Now that you say I'm even just getting up, I think it was, I'm trying to think of the hike that we were on in Acadia. I don't think it was the bubbles, but it was one of the hikes that we did where we were up, there was a lake behind us and we were looking onto a range. I think we were headed towards the bubbles, actually. Maybe it was the bubble hike, but we were looking at the mountainside and it was the range of color from oh, the, yeah, um, this was the, the conifers to the deciduous trees it was so interesting just to see. We all stopped and like took a look at it. Is that the Cadillac Road? Right yes. there? Yep. Oh, wow. How yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah, I, I would remember gather. Yeah. figuring and that out yesterday when we were riding the east side of Eagle. So, yeah, here we are close to the top of the North Bubble, coming up from Connor's Nubble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we are just... Research should be done about the difference between Nubbles and Bubbles. And and bubbles. bubbles. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you know what it is. <laughs> but yeah, the trees up here, like getting a view of the sides of these mountains is just talk about the transition of greens. Like the colors are just so vibrant. And there's even some of the newer leaves mm-hmm. on some of the hardwoods. Mm-hmm. Are, they come out with like almost a pink orange on yeah, them over yeah, there. Yeah, even down in here, you know, it's like even with the lighter greens, there's so much variation happening. Yeah. But yeah, you have the deciduous, which are those kind of like lime greens. And then the conifers are these. It's funny where they like really intermingle up the side of this mountain where it's like yeah. it's dappled as opposed to here. It's like these 
it's like the situ. Well, you can see kind of where the temperature line, right? Wouldn't you say? Right. Yeah. Like why the conifers are higher, even though there's mm -hmm. some of the hardwoods that are creeping up. And I would say these two stripes of conifers uh -huh. in between are probably on an aspect of the mountain that gets a little bit better temperature for them, uh -huh. or maybe a little bit better water for them. Yeah, they may be subtle drainages. Yes. Where there's more moisture and, and cooler, slightly cooler temperatures as the cooler air moves yeah. down. Yeah. Because right? look at how flat that green, that lime green section mm -hmm. is over there with the hardwoods. It's definitely different. So I was commenting earlier that I know this area is known for its fall colors, but I think its spring colors spring are spring is awesome. Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, oh in a goodness, in a yeah. more subtle way. Yeah, and of course the new the new spring green way. Yeah, I like how the dark pine trees are. There's definitely like the dark forest green, but then it's sort of like the tips of them become almost an olive green. I think a lot of that's lighting too right now. There's yeah, it's lighting. You look at these guys right mm -hmm. here. You can see their new growth. Yeah, yeah is definitely brighter brighter than the yeah. old growth because there's one right behind it that is older yeah like seeing that variation of green i just think that i get so gobsmacked by <laughs> how big everything is out west and how different it is that i kind of lose that sense of like what we have out east like and just you know it's obviously still very beautiful out here we still have a lot but it's just like the west is just incredibly massive that's the way that i can describe it in in all senses of that word especially when it comes to the landscape we don't have the range like the west does you know we don't have the height that the west does so that's something that you know is always interesting because you get so many different microclimates in parks with mountain ranges and you're seeing so many different sorts of ecosystems because of that so that's always something that i appreciate when you're out west because you can see so much in such a short period of time in just one park. Something I love about going to the western parks is after starting birding more and more, I do feel like I'm in a place now where it's like I can always hear every time a bird makes a noise no matter where I am. Like if I'm walking around, like if I'm headed into the grocery store and I hear, a, I will hear the bird in the tree. I'll hear the bird that's perched on top of the building over there. Like it's just like, I think now my ear is just like attuned to it. And like as I get better at like being able to identify what those sounds are, you know, thank you Merlin Bird app because I'm like opening it and on it all the time. Like I've gotten a whole lot better about it. I'm like, okay, well, I know the common bird sounds that I'm hearing all the time. Like I know when it's a sparrow, when it's a robin, when it's a crow and all of those. Then when I get out to the West and then walking in trails and it's like, oh, I've never heard that before. I have to figure out what that is. Oh, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this before. You know, and like, obviously there are sometimes like in Acadia, like we did encounter birds that we don't hear often that are in eastern side and that was like so special but we also like in olympic i mean it was like there are so many new birds that i heard and encountered in olympic just because and i'm so glad that like i knew to like listen for them you know what i mean and i i guess it's like now it's kind of second nature like i'm gonna hear them and now and then like the curiosity is there so i'm gonna be like well now i gotta figure out what it is because i want to know What about rivers? Let's talk about rivers for a second. I mean, we do have um, New River Gorge over here on the east side that like definitely is like an entire national park created by a river. 
it used to be a national river. We have the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area. That might become a national park at some point in the future. Who knows if it's going to be 64. But that's like an entire park created based around a river. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say necessarily rivers in Acadia. There are lakes in Acadia. There are ponds in Acadia. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other... Oh, Congaree. Is a park very much so based around the water. Based around the river. Mm -hmm. But like what I think is so fascinating is like how... Even in situations where we have canyons over here on the east, the canyons look totally different than the canyons in the west that are also in relation to rivers. And how's, what's the difference that you're talking about there? Like there's, it's just so green and so covered in forest. Here. Here. Right. Versus over in the west when like you can, like thinking you know. Of- Virgin River in Zion, or, you know, the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, or Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, there's, it's a lot less green, but it's so many other colors and it's so many other types of wildlife. And it's, so, and there's so much more rock versus so much more forest. I also feel like there's more power behind those rivers out west. Like, and clearly, like, it just feels like the flow is typically stronger, typically, depending on, I guess, the melts, too, would depend on. But I do feel like when you think about the canyons that are there and how tall those canyon walls are, how much that river had to cut through over time to erode. Erosion. (laughs) Bringing you the national parks since the dawn of time. But seriously, I feel like that's a thing that's a noticeable like difference that I can see and really think about when I think about rivers I mean you can also say if we talk about rivers it's kind of hard to not talk about Gateway Arch being right on the Mississippi and that's sort of like a part of that is a part of the park or at least a part of the park story but I do find that most parks there is there's some sort of water at play that's giving it a lot of its history its features you know and just like continuing to add to the landscape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The other thing I would throw in for the rivers is that actually is more of an equalizer between the East and the West rivers is the um, rafting on them. And actually, if you talk to people that are raft guides and stuff, one, you know, of course, everybody wants to go raft the Colorado through the Grand Canyon because it's, you know, takes you 21 days to do it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big trip and um, big water. But back east in New River Gorge and then just north of it, the Gauley Recreation Area, the Gauley is like the big water of the country. You know, so you think, okay, Grand Canyon's big water, very big water. The Gauley's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, not not by huge amounts bigger, but it, and sure, certainly not as long to raft through it. But um, it does have it. And New River Gorge, you know, when I rafted that, we were on uh, above class four rapids, and there were a riot. You know, just totally getting splashed. I wouldn't want to do it on a cold day because <laughs> we got quite wet. But um, it was just really fun and big splashy stuff and you'd be coming over like a little rock drop and you'd see this hole with this big back curl wave coming up at you and you just kind of went okay here we go and it was like somebody had taken a fire hose on you you know it was so it's it's I think when you look at how the water 
runs through it. I totally agree with what you are saying about the different canyons and stuff and the different looks, but how the water runs through it, I think is the more equal factor in between the two sides of the country on that. Cause you do have those opportunities to do big water in the East. Definitely. We almost did some class four rapids, class four rapids with grandma joy. Um, but Brad was like, hard stop. No, no we can't do this. Joy was down. Joy right. was like, well, oh, we would have had to go it. right from that without being able to change and walk the bridge walk. And so yeah. we were sort of like, no, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Did we wanted yeah. to do the bridge walk wet right. essentially was, yeah. the, was, the, was question. the question. Right. And no, because it's at least when I did it, it is so windy up there. Was it windy when you went, did it too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Very windy. Yeah. We would have all like gotten hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of water, cause I always am fascinated by that in a park space. And this is something I said when we were in Acadia, coastal parks and, you know, parks on the water. Like there's something very special about Acadia being there, being right on the water. I think if the ocean wasn't there, there would be, it would still be grandiose and beautiful, but there'd be something missing. I, I feel like that's something that gives so much to it. Reflexively, I, I feel the same way thinking about Olympic or Channel Islands on the West Coast. The fact that they are right on the coast or surrounded by the water really is what makes so, you know, those parks so special. I mean, Channel Islands is like Ireland and, you know, Greece and I don't know, all put together. It's like the Mediterranean and the British Isles have come together and had a love child and dropped it off the coast of California. But there's something so magical about that. And, you know, we've yet to do the Florida parks, which obviously there's a lot of water involved there um, on the coast. And if we think about coasts, even in the Great Lakes, I mean, I know that we're we're planning a Voyager's trip somehow. Yes, in we our are. Lives. <laughs> and even Isle Royale, those are parks that we haven't done. But it's just, I do find that there is something, and maybe it's just having grown up on the coast and you can kind of say the same thing. That's sort of like a heart park sort of thing. It's like having the ocean near. There's something very special about that. And don't get me wrong, I love like the seven days we spent in Glacier, or, you know, anywhere in the Southwest, there's something so magical about those spaces. But the ocean is like, a, it ties it all together for me. So I think I have like an affinity in spaces like that even more so. And I find that, that there's something beautiful about that. And just being being on the water like that. So you know, I would have to just talking about water and coastal parks, very different than Acadia or Olympic, or probably even Channel Islands, is um, U.S. Virgin Island National Park. Because when we were snorkeling there, oh my land, the um, the water clarity was so beyond what I'd ever seen in like snorkeling in Hawaii or something like that, or the Gulf of Mexico or whatever. It just was. So clear. And just being able to be in the water, and it's warm water, (laughs) and, you know, snorkeling and watching a turtle below you, you know, kind of moving along or swimming along or all the fish and stuff. It was, it was just really special. So I get that. I get what you're saying there. But I I think there's also another part too, when you're actually in it, (laughs) that's really pretty incredible. I look forward to doing some of those Florida parks to like engage with water in that way. Because I remember like growing up in Biloxi, which is where I grew up, Gulfport Biloxi, all of the locals knew it's like, yeah, the beach is pretty. Just don't get in the water because the water is gross. Except for on the other side of the barrier islands. On the other side of the barrier islands, it was like the water was clear and beautiful and there were waves and it was 
just a dream. But essentially what was happening is like between all these barrier islands that we had like a few miles off the coast of the beach and the beach, debris from hurricanes just gets stuck in that area. And so the water is just uh, like all the bad stuff gets stuck there. And then (laughs) so it's like all the good stuff's on the... So you have to get to the other side of a barrier island in order to like... Growing up, I would... um, We would... I mean, it was very commonplace for people to go out to those barrier islands on weekends all the time. So like that was that was something that that I did growing up as a kid. And so like coastline is such a I agree with Mike. It's a very hard park feeling. So like when we went to Olympic and like we would take those hikes like through the beautiful uh, temperate rainforest out onto the beach to get to like that coastal experience like that coastal experience was different than anything I've ever seen ever and like I've I grew up on the Gulf Coast and now I live like on the Atlantic Coast here in New Jersey and like I've seen the Atlantic on many coastlines you know like I've uh, seen it from Cape Cod I've seen it from Acadia I've seen it but like seeing it over there in off the shore on the shores of Acadia National Park was different than anything I've experienced. Like that's the first time I ever saw like those giant like shot up rock croppings that are also islands that also have trees on them. What, what's you said that? Acadia. You mean Olympic. I mean Olympic. Yeah. I mean <laughs> so you're Olympic. talking about like the stacks. I'm talking yeah, the, sea, the stacks. sea stacks. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing those sea stacks was so incredible. Oh, the sea stacks. And like, and, like being the able to stacks. see all yeah. those starfish yeah. like inside yeah, of all pools. of those tide pools mm-hmm. and like it was just it was so wonderful. And um, I remember when we were planning this trip, we were talking to you and you were like, you're going to want to spend quite a few days in Olympic to see all the different parts. So um, you were like, come back another time and do North Cascades so that you can give that park its due and you can give the other two parks there the time that you really, you know, because I can't imagine what it would be like to have done Olympic and not be able to do the coast of Olympic. We used to, um, when we were in high school, there's a 50 mile stretch of beach out there that you can backpack down. And it's, it's quite wild. And at the time that I did it, we would, uh, you'd have to climb up over all these big rocky heads in the forest. And then you could drop to the beach and walk along the beach for several miles. And oops, there's another one you got to climb up and over and get down. And the difficulty was that you had to watch the tidal charts because um, you had to be out of certain sections, of course, when the tide came in and make sure you were up on the heads, you know, getting over the headland and not stuck with the water coming in too far. We got stuck one time, kind of wading through waist-deep water there to get, um, get to the trail and climb up. So bad timing on our parts, but Yeah, that was, was definitely cool something experience. that I was keeping my eye on with the tides <laughs> when we were out there. Oh, yeah. Because I was oh, yeah. like, I don't mess with the ocean. I have a very healthy fear of the ocean, and we I love it. We need to talk but, about, mm-hmm. I have to bring this up, when we were in the Airbnb in Forks, Mike had like a bit of an existential crisis <laughs> when it came to like planning the day around tides. Mm-hmm. Like he was just like, trying to spin it in so many ways. We were and trying to do three things on this That day. was the day we yeah. did three things. That yeah. was the day we did the whole rainforest. We did Rialto Beach and we did Ozat Triangle, which we, that was a very was long a full day, day. <laughs> very full day. We recommend everybody do all three of those things mm-hmm. because they are all three so wonderful and special. And we're so glad that you were like, no, you should really do Ozat Triangle. And we're so glad we 
didn't miss Ozat Triangle. But yeah, Mike was on, he had been sort of like, he's like, yeah, we could do it like this. We could do it like this. We could do it like this. We get back to the Airbnb. Like I shower and come back. I'm just spinning out on the Starting dinner and he's like, (laughs) still just spinning out he's like okay this is what i think we should do and i i literally was like are you still on this like what is what is going on like what have and he was like i just want to make sure that like we cover everything and like it's a good experience and i was like it's gonna be a great experience regardless of what order we got it was tide concern was what it was it was all Mm -hmm. about tide concern Mm -hmm. and timing Mm -hmm. so now we know like um my my sensitive area is when it comes to like time and food and mike's is around Tide. time and tides. tides they wait for no man oh, time this and tide. is true <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. it's true so yeah definitely mm-hmm. growing up in the pacific northwest with that coastline and then being able to come over to the east side of the country over here to do the florida coastline and acadia and sort of just like what were some distinct differences that you pulled out of those things? Well, the coastline in Acadia is so different than, you know, the Olympic coast or Puget Sound coast, coastal stuff and that I grew up with. It just, um, I know we talked about the tide pools at Acadia earlier. And what I thought was so, it just blew me away was the fact that they were in that pink granite. They weren't, I'm used to the tide pools that are, you know, there's just piles of rock and rubble and all of that around the tide pools. And then you get to the tide pool and here's a starfish and all this kind of stuff. But they were like these contained little microcosms or something that were just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Full habitats inside of these, like inside like of the, these depressed areas of the pink granite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen that before. And I just thought that was something else. Just amazing. You know, what's funny is like seeing those first, I went, oh, this is what tide pools are. Like, this is what, (laughs) like the bar I set it at, or like, that was my expectation. Then we got to Olympic and I was like, oh, these tide pools are so different. Like sometimes (laughs) it's just sort of like what ends up landing here in this area for this period of time. Or, you know, we could see some sort of habitats growing inside of like small depressed areas of rock. But nothing like the stuff in the pink granite. That was, I feel like we got that more um, at Hole in the Wall on Rialto Beach. That's where it Mm -hmm. felt a little bit more like... Here's here's rock slabs with small environments. Oh, in the them, rock slabby stuff. As opposed stuff. to like Shy Shy Beach, um, where we were really just like, oh, here's just like here's a pile of rocks and here's some starfish on the rock, like, and here's some things, some anemones under it. But it's not really like a. It's like you know, it wasn't really a specific long-lasting landscape. It was for the time being. It was ephemeral. Talk to us about your experience, especially because we've experienced Glacier with you. And and we now know that actually Glacier is not the park for glaciers. It is Mount Rainier. <laughs> Mount Rainier. Um, which we also got to experience oh, with you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, obviously glaciers are very much so a Western phenomenon, like landscape feature that some you are still able to view and see um for how long who knows darkness um and others we know were there or they've been there within the last few decades but are now gone and have left remnants through moraine or what have you but um how how do you see glaciation because obviously there was a great deal of the states covered in 
during the ice age and glaciers. So how do you see that? How do you see that difference kind of play out east versus west? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's obvious when you look at Mount Rainier, Mount Olympus in the Olympics, several of the peaks in the North Cascades, Glacier Park, a little bit in the Tetons, that, you know, the glaciers are kind of in select areas. But the effects of the glacial age is evident in the eastern parks, too. That was one of those things because... I always key in on what's going, what, how did stuff get here? How did, how did this landscape happen? That kind of stuff. I'm always interested in that. And of course, in these, the north half of the western part of the country, that's your answer for just about everything. It's glacier. Well, in the east side, it's, it turns out it's kind of the same thing. And do you remember when we, um, the day we hiked in Acadia, we did Nubble and then Nubble, Nubble to Bubble. Bubble, uh, Bubble. Yes. I can't remember yeah. which one. North think, Bubble, yeah, then Nubble South Bubble. Bubble. Okay. And we finished on South Bubble. And there was a slanted rock that we were on. And then there was this giant rock. We were standing on the pink granite. And then there was this giant rock that was about the size of an SUV just perched on kind of the slope there. And I remember all of us commenting that it looks like we could just touch it and it would fall off. But it was, you know, it weighed a couple tons. But it was it was clearly different rock. And so in my head, I looked at it and went, oh, that's an erratic. And an erratic is rock that glacier mo- glaciers move from one area to another. As they move, they carry rock along. And then as they melt, they just drop the rock wherever it is. And um, so when I got home, I looked it up because, of course, I had to know. (laughs) And it came from 30 miles north of Acadia via glaciers. And that whole um, area we were hiking in on the bubbles there, you know, we were looking down on Jordan Pond from there. That was all a glacier-carved system that came through there that made it. And so the, the mountains there basically have their shape because of glaciers. And the fact that that erratic is just sitting there on South Bubble, <laughs> it's, um, it's a statement to those glaciers being there. And I just thought that was really fun to, um, to find out about that. It's fascinating to like think about, and I guess a lot of it has to do, I'd imagine, with elevation, that the West has held on to their glaciers, whereas the East, they've all just dissipated. And I'm assuming it's a lot of it has to do with elevation and just the range of the mountain and being able to kind of insulate that glacier. And, and there's really, we don't have that out East. Well, I think there's a lot of factors going into it too, which would be climate and temperatures and all of that is an effect of it too. But it's, you know, all of them out here are melting fast. And when we, oh, we didn't go to sunrise when with you guys because the road wasn't open yet. But the Emmons Glacier that comes down there, I remember hiking up along the moraine of it when I was in high school. We just basically, there wasn't a trail. We just basically climbed on the moraine and walked and walked. Well, that glacier, the last time I saw it, which was probably 10 years ago, I was on that on a hike above it looking down, I was totally shocked that how far back it had melted. And it was probably easily a mile further up valley than where it had been when I was in high school. Now that just dated me age-wise, but <laughs> you know, it's it's shocking to see that stuff happen. A mile is hugely significant for a glacier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's all changing. And I don't know if you saw my post this morning on Instagram, but it was a glacier dying, you know, the remnants of what's left of it. And it's one that, again, I remember when I was in college working in the park, I remember hiking by it and thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. And it's now three little meltwater ponds and a couple pieces of snow and ice around it. And that's it. Not only one girl, dark girl on this podcast, there's two. Apparently. (laughs) Another thing that I'm kind of fascinated by, and we got into this when we did a whole thing about like the science well, we talked about it when we talked about the science of the Tetons and like all the different kinds of mountain ranges that we have here in in this land, also called the United States, is that the relation to volcanoes, the east side versus the west side's sort of like... Vulcan activity? <laughs> yeah, Vulcan activity, if you will. Because like there are parts of the northeast, there are sections of mountain that are were, were not volcanoes, but were created from underground volcanic activity, but were never fully, there was never an opening, nothing ever came out. So like they were never considered volcanoes. Yet, however, Mount Rainier is a volcano. Lassen is a volcano. Mount St. Helens is a volcano. And there's so many... There's so many volcanoes. Ring like, of fire, baby. The ring of fire is all <laughs> up o- over there. So I'm like, I'm I'm wondering a little bit about like, in the West, is there a sort of like, is there a differentiation between like, it is a volcano versus it isn't um, when it comes to like people's engagement with it? Or is it sort of just like, we've kind of accepted volcanoes as mountains now? I'd say it's the latter. And that's mostly because most of the volcanoes here in the West are not active. And what I'm, I said that wrong. (laughs) They have minor activity going on. Like Lassen, there's a section of Lassen that looks like Yellowstone because it's got, you know, mud pots burbling and steam vents and fumaroles and all kinds of stuff like that. And then you've got Yellowstone with its geysers. That's all volcanic stuff. But we don't have the lava eruption stuff that's happening over in um, Hawaii, in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So that makes a difference a little bit in terms of how people view them. And it's not like you can, you know, you can see Rainier from Seattle, all kinds of places in Seattle. And it's not like you look at Rainier and go, oh, look, there's a pile of steam coming out the top, or it's, you know, it's got all these, these vents letting it off. But so I think people more accept it as it just is what it is. Now, Mount St. Helens, which you guys got to see from, you know, off in the distance from one of our hikes at Rainier. I was in college when that erupted. No, actually, I wasn't. I was out of college, probably in my 30s, 20s, late 20s. And that cha- that was weird, you know, because it shot ash all over the state. And my grandmother had at least a foot of ash in her yard in Yakima. But it was just kind of a, a thing that happened. We knew well in advance it was going to happen. It was just a matter of which minute is it going to go? <laughs> you know, is the eruption going to happen and it's going to blow its whole top off. Yeah, so people just kind of, it is what it is. And there are volcanoes there. And most of them, there's not much activity with them going on. And they are all, the big ones that do have activity, the USGS does monitor what's going on. So it's not like it's going to be kaboom one day, there's a big surprise (laughs) and one of them erupts all over the place. It's not a Dante's Peak situation. (laughs) No. (laughs) I love that movie. In my curriculum, as a first grader, there was a whole unit 
on the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Was there really? Yes. Wow. It was wild. And I don't know if this was my teacher just being like, I'm going to make sure these first graders know things that are going on. And like, we're learning about volcanoes and I want to make sure we understand something that's close to home and fairly recent. But like, oh yeah, we had to do, we had, we spent a whole week learning about the eruption of Mount St. Helens, like listening to interviews with people who were there, like reading all of these, you know, I mean, we were first graders, so we were learning how to read, but it was like reading about people's experience, like reading from like what other kids had written about it and all this kind of stuff and like seeing a lot of pictures and like, we definitely had to like, I feel like we had to like write, we had to do some kind of, some kind of activity where we had to like write like imagine that we were there watching it and like describing what we would see like all the kind of stuff and it was um this is why therapy exists (laughs) apparently but yeah (laughs) but yeah we um i i do remember though getting to high school and talking about mount st helens and people had never heard of it before and it was like yeah it it, like it, it erupted it was like a whole big thing like you didn't and like people just don't know People, people just don't know. And I'm like, huh. I mean, I have my first grade teacher to thank for that because thinking back on it, like that's one of the only sort of like outdoor nature other than like, you know, general science class that was like hyper specific about like um, natural spaces here in America. Not only do we have a special guest, but we have a, a special game master with us today who um, decided that she was going to write a game for us. That's um, right. Which is fun because we don't often get to play the game. No. Together. Because no, we're always planning the game. Yeah, games, we're always so. planning the game. So thank you for this. <laughs> you might not even <laughs> like the game. Well, oh, I think we're going to like it because we love games. <laughs> okay. It'll be good. So it's, it's trivia about national parks. Of okay. course. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a game of fives. However, we're only going to do four rounds because I didn't have time to come up with a fifth round of it. So um, the way this works is I'm going to give you a category and you have to name the five national parks. And sometimes there's way more than five. Um, But you have to name five national parks that fit that category. And then part two is you have to figure out the opposite of that category and figure out the five national parks that fit that category. Okay, great. Does that make sense? Oh, I love games this is that are involved. Okay. Yes. okay. Yes. So let's start with it. We're going to start with some of the, maybe some of the easier ones. Okay. Okay, great. So the first category is underground water carving. Okay. Underground water okay. carving. So that would be... Mammoth Cave. Mammoth Cave. Wind Cave. Wind Cave. Um, Carlsbad Caverns. Yes. Um, what else? Um, we can do it. We can come up with two more. Underground water carving. I'm curious if Biscayne is included there. No. No. Okay. Yellowstone? No. Okay. No. I th- I think, and I could be wrong, you've been to the park. Okay. Um, Underground the, water Of the two I'm thinking of that are left, you've been to one, but not the other. Would. Oh, my gosh. Olympic. No. No. Now we're just throwing things into the... Um, one of them is close to, I think you have hiked Morro Rock. Oh, oh. Sequoia? Yes. Kings Canyon? Yes. Okay. Kings Canyon has some underground water carving. That's Interesting. good to know. Crystal Cave, yeah. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
And the other one I know, I don't think you've been to. Mm -hmm. I went to last September. Was it Lassen? No, it was the other one. Great Basin. Yes, Ah, yes. Great Great Basin Basin has Lehman Caves system. Okay, yes, we talked about this. Okay, great. Okay, so then the opposite would be above ground water carving. Correct. So where do you go with that? So this would be canyons. Correct. Grand Canyon, (laughs) New River Gorge, Black Canyon of the Gunnison, um, Zion. Bryce Canyon. Yep. Um, No on Bryce. No on Bryce. Because it's not water. The water hasn't carved that canyon, right? No. It's, um, it's, the carving all comes from moisture that gets in the rock and then freezes and fractures the rock. So it's Ah. not like a... Mm river going th- through it at all okay so we but so you did you what did you say zion black zion, canyon of the gunnison grand canyon, grand canyon and new river new Gorge. river Gorge, she said um, so one more what about would uh big bend have some carving i mean it's not really a canyon but there are some santa yes. elena yeah i would yeah yeah I, w- I didn't even think of that one yeah. but yeah i would count santa elena definitely in, okay and the, other also, canyon, the other canyon the other on the area, other side Bokeas. yeah yeah Bokeas yeah. canyon yeah Definitely. There's also like when we were in Mount Rainier, there were those like sort of circular areas like where the water was coming through and like it was you were explaining how like anyway. So I wasn't sure if that was also considered water carving. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anytime water is carving rock. That's what you get. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great. (laughs) Very cool. Okay. cool. All right. You want the second? second Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. This one, your category is sand dunes. Okay. Great. Okay. Indiana okay. dunes. Okay. White sands. The yes. Great, great, great sand, sand dunes. dunes. And then uh, Acadia sand dunes or Olympic. I guess, I don't know if they have official dunes though. Um, and I'm not sure if, I know one of the parks none of us have been to. <laughs> and Isle Royale. Voyagers? There's no, there's one that I'm not, I think you've been to, but I'm not sure. Ooh, mm. sand dunes. I went to it a year and a half ago, two winters ago. Mm. Would it have been, uh, is it Death Valley? Yes. Okay. Oh, well, Death Valley. Okay. Yeah. Yes, of course. There's mesquite okay. sand so dunes in there four. that are just, you know, here you are in okay. the middle of the valley and then all of a sudden, <laughs> big pile of sand dunes. Okay. So. And then yeah. I don't know what the fifth one would be. Okay, the, the I'll give you a big hint on this one. In Alaska? Yes. And it, oh. that's why it's a total surprise because you would never uh, assume there'd be sand it, dunes there. Is it St. Elias? Is it Wrangell St. Elias? I don't think Elias? so. No. No? Is it Kenai Fjords? No. Gates of the Arctic? Oh, you're so close. Oh, we just have like one more. What's, uh, is it, it's not Col. it's not Colby. It's, uh, it's another K one. Um, you're on it. Yes. What is you it? Want some help? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Kobuk Valley. Kobuk yeah, Valley. Yeah. Okay. That's just west okay. of Gates of the oh. Arctic. Yeah. Okay. And that's one of those parks that you got to totally fly into. You can't, you know, there's mm. no trails, no nothing. Right. You just, just yeah. get in there and, and there's a pile of sand dunes. <laughs> 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 okay. So the opposite of sand dunes would be... No sand dunes? So water, ocean parks? No. Think about what sand is. Glass? I mean, it's silica. Okay. Sort of. Quartz? Well, yeah, it can be any of those. I mean, so you got... So would it be rocks? So 
go the total opposite. What sort of rock is really solid? It's not. Is it igneous rock? Granite. So granite. granite. Okay. Granite. okay. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Igneous Rock was the band that I came up with on in Acadia in the cold. That's true. That's uh-huh. true. So, and we do know yeah, that there is granite Acadia. in Acadia. Uh huh. I feel like I'm wondering: is there granite in Shenandoah? I, I don't, don't know about think that. so. I don't know, but I could be wrong about that. Glacier? No, not even no. close. Okay. Glaciers. Ooh, I'll give was, you a hint here. The, the disappointment was palpable. <laughs> Uh, No, Glacier is definitely a big pile of sedimentary, crumbly, crumbly, crumbly rock. So if you think about granite, it's the rock climber's paradise. So New River Gorge. Yes. It's got some, but it's it's also got some other harder rocks with quartz and stuff. Um... Tetons. Yes. That it, what's interesting there is it's the top part of the Tetons. Huh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh my. And God. I think you've been to at least two more that have it. Okay. I'm sure we have. Um, I'm just I'm Rocky Mountain. To... Rocky Mountain does have granite too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then I'm. I don't feel like Smokies has granite. No. Um. And then. Hmm. What about um? Hot springs? Honestly, I don't know. So maybe. Okay. <laughs> maybe. Go west. Hmm. Go west and. Okay. Go west, go young, west man. young man. Well, is Rainier, does Rainier have granite? Think no. rock climbing y- meccas. Yosemite. Yes. Yosemite. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then also Yosemite go further south and what's the next big rock climbing mecca? Southern California. Joshua Tree. Yes. Ah, so, yeah, okay. granite makes for really good rock climbing because it's solid. It's not like glacier where you can you can pick up your handhold, pull it out, look at it, and put it back in it. Glacier, that's bad. So, yeah. Okay, good job. Love that. Okay, here's the third one, and it's going to get harder. Oh, great. great. We're <laughs> ready. We love this Thank game. Thank you. Okay, this one is um, the oldest mountains. Oh, oh, okay. The oldest, oldest mountains. mountains. So what I do know, there's one answer that I'm going to say for going in the opposite direction, which are the youngest mountains. Okay. Okay. Well, save it. I'm going to save because... it for them. Okay, great. So oldest mountains. Um, Smokies. Yes. Um, Rocky Mountain. Yes. Mm, Olympic. Uh, yeah. There's a huge list of possibilities. Oh, for Rainier. This one, so. <laughs> Rainier. Um, no. North Cascades. Hmm. <laughs> Got to think about that one. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Glacier. Glacier, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very old. You got to get one more. And there's one more in your area. Acadia. No. Shenandoah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And actually, Great Smoky and Shenandoah are the oldest. Their mountains were built probably 200 to 300 million years ago. Right. They were supposed to be. I mean, they've just whittled down over time, right? Correct. They were very, they were taller right. than the Rockies, right? Currently yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they've gotten yeah. erosion that you were talking yep. about earlier has happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the newest Okay. So, it, so the newest Rainier. So the, the youngest Rainier mountains. can go in this category. Yes. Grand Tetons. Uh, you, that's such a toughie. Tetons is the youngest range in the Rockies. However, if we want to make it more like one million or less, 
years ago, it wouldn't fit. Okay, okay. so Rainier is in the youngest. Acadia, Cadillac Mountain. I don't think so. Although that's glaciation that made that, so that would make it maybe. Maybe. I'll give you a maybe point on that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yes. Rainier is what we've got so far. We've got Rainier. Um, what about Guadalupe Mountains? No. Oh. Think about r- what Rainier is, and then you'll get the rest of it. It's a volcano. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. So Lassen. Yes. Okay. Um, Which is probably the youngest oh, okay. of every, wow. all of them. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, so that's two. So other parks that have volcanic mountains. Um, is the Chizos, this Big Bend with the Chizos, are those young? No. Um, oh my God. Well, is Mount Whitney young? But that's not, in a, that's technically in a national park. That's in Sequoia, yeah, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Um, is that in Sequoia? You know, it probably is old because most of the Sierra is about 40 million years old. Okay, so that was in our old category. Just stick with your volcano thought. Okay, Crater Lake. Yes. Okay, what else? Um, Olympic. No, Olympic is one of the oldest. Oh, Olympic was old. Okay, okay. What about Um, like Hawaii volcanoes, like those mountains? Yeah, and Haleakala. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, okay. That's fine. Okay, there's two more. Okay, you got your five. Perfect. You could have said just about any th- any of the parks in Alaska, too. Oh, okay. I keep forgetting about those. Yeah, because they're all volcanic. Okay, last category. This one is most arid deserts, excluding the cold deserts of the Utah and Colorado Plateau. Most arid deserts, excluding the Utah and Colorado Plateau. Okay. Okay. Uh, which are cold deserts, so they're definitely different than these arid deserts. Arid so Big Bend. Yes. Okay. Death Valley. Yes. Joshua Tree. Yes. Is white would white sands count? Yep. Okay. Great. No, not great. Guadalupe sands. Mountains. Yep. There's your five. Okay, so the wettest parks, <laughs> <laughs> which are going to be parks that have high percentage of water. Okay, so parks with high percentage of water. Everything we talked about when we talked about coastal parks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Channel Islands. No. Oh. Okay. So it's in the park, not necessarily surrounding it. Correct. It's actually within the park boundary. It's got the highest percentage of water. So Virgin Islands. Yes, that's 40% water. Biscayne. 95% water for Biscayne. Yeah. Isn't that cool? What about Everglades? Um, you know, I would say yes, but I couldn't ever find out the percentage. Mm, okay. okay. But they have that whole 10,000 island part on the east or on the west side that's just a ton of water there. Mm. Um Isle Royale? No, it's got a little little bit of water. What about dry tortugas? That's the winner. It's 99% water. Wow. The rest is little tiny islands yeah. surrounding it all. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Okay. It's wild when like, I do love when like water is just essentially the national park mm. is water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, you got one more to go. Great. So we got one more. We got to name one more. Oh, I thought we had two. Uh, well, New we're River giving Gorge. you Everglades because we all think oh, okay. it's got okay. a lot of water. I said New River Gorge. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And would be not, percentage right. of water compared to land is what it is. Yeah. For that park. Hmm. Not Voyagers. Oh, yes, Voyagers. Oh, great. There <laughs> we go. Voyagers. Yeah, it's 40% water. And it's, I mean, it's all those lakes. It's got yeah. those three wow. giant lakes, and then it's got a gazillion little lakes in it. Mm. So, okay. yeah, that one's weird because it's an inland one. 
that hmm. uh, yeah. has all that water. So nice job. Thank you. Thank you for such a fun yeah. game. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. And that's gaze, G A Z. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariello Klinger with Sean Sklios on guitar. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey.